your time, folks! This is the American Variety Network on Block Talk Radio with Alex Cardinal. Live from Springfield, Massachusetts. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays 2015 from all of us at the American Variety Network. That's 
888-978-8142. Let's go, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Woo! So, Buccaneer fans, stay where you are. Get ready to fire your cannons because Buccaneers chat begins live next right here on the American Variety Network.
Tune in live to the American Variety Network here, live on Blog Talk Radio. With a name like American Variety, you can expect a wide variety of topics. Now, let's get live here on the AV Network. Hi, Jeremy Stillhorn. I'm tuned into the American Variety Network where I find the show is very educational and entertaining. Are you bold enough to call in and interact with tonight's topic? Well, prove it by calling in live at one 347 to ask questions about tonight's topic or share your thoughts on tonight's topic. Just pick up your phone and dial one 347 and go into a quiet location. Again, that's one 347 Now let's get on with the show. This is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers special live here on American Variety Network. Tonight, Buccaneers fan Alex Cardinale discusses the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and more. So Buccaneer fans, come call in and discuss why you love the Tampa Bay Buck. Discuss your favorite Bucks game and Bucks players by dialing 1-347-989-8142. Let's go Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers special is now live. And discuss your favorite Buccaneers players or why you like Buccaneers or discuss your favorite Buccaneer memories, you can dial 1 347 989 8142 and I will answer your call. 
So we're going to start the show off in a fun way, and then I'll get into the informal way when I tell you guys about the history of the Bucks. But right now, I want to talk about why I am a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Now, I lived in Tampa Bay, Florida in 2002. I was only 15 minutes away from Raymond James Stadium. And I thought it was pretty cool that I lived close to the Buccaneers' new stadium. So there was Buccaneers merchandise everywhere. Now, I fell in love with their logo. Now, it's my personal opinion. I think that the Buccaneers have the best logo in the National Football League. Now, I still have some of their hats and such from 2002 in my room that I use for display. I still have a hat from 2002 and 2003 that I still wear. Uh, it's a hat when they won the Super Bowl, so it's a really old hat, but I wear it with pride. And hopefully for Christmas this year, I will be getting some new Christmas Buccaneer presents. Now, ironically, I became a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the same year that they won their first Super Bowl, which was in 2002. Now, I also am a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan because I love their stadium. I think Raymond James Stadium is a very nice field. All right? I think it's an awesome stadium, and I love it. Now, another reason I am a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan is because I like the underdogs. I like the underdog teams in sports. I feel that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are underdogs because everyone always picks the other team to win against them. For example, a few weeks ago, Everyone picked the Philadelphia Eagles to beat Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But what happened? The Buccaneers put a huge spanking on the Eagles and the Eagle fans. Now, we put such a huge spanking on the Eagles that one night, a Eagles fan by the name of EDP445 began crying like a baby on YouTube. Woo! That's how bad the Bucks defeated the Eagles. So that is why I am a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. I've been a fan since 2002, and I am still a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I always will be a fan of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I want to tell you guys about my favorite Tampa Bay Buccaneer players of all time. The first uh, favorite player of mine from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers happens to be Rondé Barber. Now, when I started watching him play, I was like, this is a great football player. He's going to be a Hall of Famer without a doubt. He was a great player for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My second, uh, my second favorite football player for the Bucks is Mike Allstott. And actually, not only is he one of my favorite players, he is actually my favorite running back of all time. He has some great speed on him. Now, 
My third favorite Tampa Bay Buccaneers player is Cadillac Williams. He was a, a very good running back as well, but I think he either got injured or retreated him. I don't remember, but I really, really was sad when the Bucks got rid of Cadillac Williams. Now, current players that are my favorite include Mike Evans. Now, Mike Evans is a young man, and he has some great talent. I think he could be one of the next best wide receivers out there. He's pretty good. Uh, I like Mike Evans. Now, I also like Jameis Winston. Now, I will first admit to you that I actually wanted the Buccaneers to get Marcus Mariota in this past season's draft. But I'm happy that the Bucks went with Jameis Winston. He is now starting to prove himself as a good quarterback. He's definitely better than Josh Freeman. Man, when, when we had Josh Freeman, we were awful. I'm glad the Freeman era is gone from Tampa Bay. And I'm eager to see if Jameis Winston can take us to the postseason and take us to the Super Bowl. Because I really, really want to have a... Super Bowl victory when I'm in my 20s. That'll be cool. That way uh, I can say I had a Super Bowl victory when I was a, a kid and also as a young adult. That'll be great. But hopefully the Buccaneers will win a Super Bowl sometime soon again. So I thought that would be a fun way to start tonight's awesome Buccaneer show. Because now we are going to get informal and discuss the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, Buccaneer fans, I got one question for you. Are you ready to learn the history of the Bucks? Great. Let's learn about the history. So, first we'll start talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a professional American football franchise based in Tampa, Florida. Now, the Bucks currently compete in the National Football League, NFL, as a member of the NFC South Division. Now, along with the Seattle Seahawks, the team joined the NFL in 1976 as an expansion team. So the Bucks have been with the NFC and the NFL since 1976. Now, the Buccaneers are the first post-merger expansion team to win a division title, win a playoff game, and to host and play in a conference championship game. All three accomplishments occurred during the 1979 season. They are also the first team since the merger to complete a winning season when starting 10 or more rookies, which happened in the 2010 season. In 1976 and 1977, the Buccaneers lost their first 26 games. After a brief winning era in the late 1970s and 1980s, the team suffered through 14 consecutive losing seasons. Then for a 10-year period, they were consistent playoff contenders and won Super Bowl 37 at the end of the 2002 season, 
but have not yet returned to the Super Bowl. Thus, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, along with the New Orleans Saints and New York Jets, are the only NFL teams to win their one Super Bowl appearance thus far. Now, over the course of 39 seasons, the Buccaneers have compiled an overall record of 241, 385, and 1, with a regular season record of 235 victories, 376 losses, and one tie, and a playoff record of 6 wins and 9 losses. So in 39 seasons, the Bucs got 241 victories, 385 losses, and only one tie. Well, I did not know that football games can end in a tie. That's very cool to know. All right, so that's a good way to start the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I want to talk to you about the franchise history now. And we're going to start with the years 1976 to 1978. Now, the Buccaneers joined the NFL as members of the AFC West in 1976. The following year, they were moved to the NFC Central, while the other 1976 expansion team, the Seattle Seahawks, switched conferences with Tampa Bay and joined the AFC West. The realignment was dictated by the league as part of the 1976 expansion plan so that both teams could play each other twice and every other NFL franchise once during the first two seasons. Instead of a traditional schedule of playing each division opponent twice, the Buccaneers played every conference team once, plus the Seahawks. Tampa Bay did not win their first game until the 13th week of their second season, starting with a record of 0-26, though the Buccaneers had beaten the Atlanta Falcons 17-3 in a 1976 preseason game before their first regular season. Until the Detroit Lions in 2008, the 1976 Buccaneers held the title as the least winning team in NFL history. Their losing streak caused them to become the butt of late-night television comedies jokes. The first win came in December of 1977 on the road against the New Orleans Saints. The Saints head coach, Hank Strom, was fired after losing to the Buccaneers. Tampa Bay only needed one more week to get their second victory, a home win over the St. Louis Cardinals in the 1997 season finale. The Cardinals also fired their coach, Don Coriel, shortly afterward. The team continued to approve in 1978, although injuries to several key players kept the team from achieving the winning record promised by McKay. 1979 to 1982, 
The Tampa Bay Buccaneers situation improved rapidly in the 1979 season. With the maturation of quarterback Doug Williams and future four-time Pro Bowl tight end Jimmy Gills, the first a thousand yard rushing season season from running back Ricky Bell and the smothering league leading defense led by future NFL Hall of Famer Lee Roy Selman. The Bucks kick off the season with five consecutive victories, a performance that landed them on the cover of Sports Illustrated. With four games left in the season, the Bucs needed to win only one of them to make the playoffs. In the first, STP was put all over the goalpost in Tampa to prevent the goalpost from being ripped down in the event of a celebration. Four block kicks later, the Bucks wasted the oily substance failing to the Minnesota Vikings 23-22. STP was wasted again in the following week as the Buccaneers were shut out 14-0 by the Chicago Bears in O.J. Simpson's final home game in San Francisco. Tampa Bay lost its third straight attempt to clinch a division title against a 49ers team which came in with a 1-13 record. However, in the season finale at home against the Kansas City Chiefs, which was played in the worst downpour in Bucks history, Tampa Bay pulled out a 3 to nothing victory. Wow, 3 to nothing wins are hard to come by nowadays. You don't see them that often. Finishing with a 10-6 record, the Bucks had their first winning season in franchise history and won the Central Division in a tiebreaker over the Bears. In an upset, the Buccaneers defeated the Philadelphia Eagles 24-17 in the divisional round of the playoffs. Because the Los Angeles Rams defeated the Dallas Cowboys in the other NFC game, the Bucks hosted the NFC Championship game the following week in Tampa. The Bucks lost to the Rams 9-0. In their fourth season, the Bucks seemed on the verge of fulfilling McKay's five-year plan. The Bucks made the playoffs again by winning their division in the 1981 season. It came down to a thrilling final game at Detroit. The winner would tank the Central Division crown, and the loser would miss the playoffs. The Lions had not lost at home all season. Although the Buccaneers trailed early, an 84-yard touchdown bomb from quarterback Williams to wide receiver Kevin House and a fumble recovery for a touchdown by defensive tackle David Logan sealed the win for the Bucs. In the playoffs, the Dallas Cowboys defeated the Buccaneers 38-0 in the divisional round. The 1982 season started 0-3 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before a player strike shut down the NFL for seven weeks. When the league resumed play, the Bucs were nicknamed the Cardiac Kids 
for winning five of their next six games, all in the final moments to go five and four and qualify for the expanded playoff slate. In the first round, the Bucks once again faced the Cowboys at Dallas, losing 30-17. to As it turned out, this would be the last winning regular season under Culverhouse's ownership. 1983 to 1996. Before the 1983 season, Williams bolted to the United States Football League in a salary dispute. The Bucks finished 2 and 14 during 1983, the first of 12 consecutive seasons with at least 10 losses, an NFL record. Included was the drafting of Heisman Trophy winner Bo Jackson with the first pick in the 1986 draft. Jackson had let it be known that he would never play a down for Hugh Culverhouse at Tampa Bay. Making good on his threat, he opted instead to play baseball for the Kansas City Royals and would later return for parts of a football seasons with the Los Angeles Raiders. Along with Williams, who later was a Super Bowl champion quarterback for the Washington Redskins, two other Buccaneer quarterbacks during this era led other teams to Super Bowl wins. Steve Young won with the 49ers, and Trent Dilfor won with the Baltimore Ravens. Under Culverhouse, the Buccaneers were one of the NFL's more profitable teams during the 1980s. However, this was largely because he kept the payroll among the lowest in the league, hampering their ability to sign quality players. Attendance also sagged. At one point, the Buccaneers went parts of three whole seasons without having a home game televised locally. And when they did, it was more attributed to a strong visiting team following, such as the Chicago Bears or Green Bay Packers, than anything. Wow, that's sad. John Lynch, a future Pro Bowl strong safety, was drafted in 1993. In the 1995 NFL Draft, the Buccaneers drafted two future Hall of Famers, Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks. Pro Bowl fullback, fullback Mike Allstott was drafted in the next year in the 1996 draft. Well, I just learned something new. I thought forever that Mike Allstott was a running back. It turns out that he's actually a fullback, but he's still uh, my favorite fullback, that means, then. All right, 1994 to 1996, ownership change and the Buccaneers' future in Tampa Bay. This is really important in the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, despite the profitability of the Buccaneers in the 1980s, Culverhouse's death in 1994, revealed the team close to bankruptcy, 
which surprised many observers. His son, Miami attorney Hugh Colerhouse Jr., practically forced the trustees of his father's estate to sell the team, which cast doubt on the future of the franchise in Tampa. Interested parties included New York Yankees owner George Steinbrenner and Baltimore Orioles owner Peter Angelos, the latter of whom publicly declared he would move the team to Baltimore as the city did not have an NFL franchise at that time. However, in a last-minute surprise, Malcolm Glazier outbid both of them for $192 million, the highest sale price for a professional sports franchise up to that point. Glazier immediately placed his sons, Brian, Edward, and Joel, in charge of the team's financial affairs and informed Tampa Bay area citizens its current stadium deal would not support the record paid amount and that a new stadium would be required. The Glaziers convinced Hillsbury County voters to raise sales taxes to fund the construction of Raymond James Stadium and the family's deep pockets and serious commitment to fielding a winning team finally allowed the Bucks to become competitive. The team's performance dramatically improved when the Glaziers hired Minnesota Vikings defensive coordinator Tony Dudgy as head coach. 1997 to 2001. During Tony Dungy's first season in 1996, the team continued to struggle, starting the season 1 and 8. But in the second half of the season, they finished 5 and 2, primarily due to the performance of a defense ranked 7th in the NFL led by Hardy Nickerson and the maturing of Sam Witchie's draftees, Brooks, Lynch, and Sapp. Dungy, with his even-tempered personality, quickly brought balance and morale to the team, and his cover two defensive team, sharpened to perfection by defensive coordinator Monty Kiffin and linebackers coach Lovey Smith, became the foundation for Tampa Bay's future success. Their vision of cover two was so successful that it became known as the Tampa 2. It has been brought to the Chicago Bears by Smith, Detroit Lions by Rod Marinelli, Kansas City Chiefs by Herman Edwards, and to the Indianapolis Colts by Tony Dungy himself and copied by several other teams. Now, the Buccaneers started the 1997 season 5-0, and picking up where they left off the previous year, and this quick start once again landed them on the cover of Sports Illustrated twice. The Bucs went 10-6 and for their first winning season and playoff appearance since 1982 as a wildcard team. In the Buccaneers' final home game at Houlihan Stadium, Formerly Tampa Stadium, the Buccaneers defeated the Detroit Lions 20-10. They lost at Lambeau Field 
to the eventual NFC champion Green Bay Packers, 21-7. Still, there was reason for optimism, and the expectations were high for the following season. The 1998 season, the first to be played in the newly constructed Raymond James Stadium, saw the Buccaneers lose several close games en route to a disappointing 8-8 record. The Bucks, the Buccaneers had to, pay, had to play the first six football games of the year, including preseason, on the road as the new stadium was not quite finished. The 1999 season brought much better fortune. On the strength of the NFL's number three overall defense and a surprising performance by rookie quarterback Sean King, the Buccaneers finished the season with an 11-5 record and won their third NFC Central Division Championship. They beat the Washington Redskins 14-13 in the divisional round before losing to the eventual Super Bowl champion St. Louis Rams in a low-scoring NFC Championship game, 11-6. The Buccaneers' loss was controversial, highlighted by the reversal of a pass from King to wide receiver Burt Emanuel, which ended the Buccaneers' chances at continuing their last-minute drive. In league meetings following the season, the NFL changed the rules regarding what constituted an incomplete pass. While the Buccaneers played well in 2000 and 2001 and made the playoffs in each season, they were unable to fulfill their primary goal of a Super Bowl victory. The wild card spots that Tampa Bay earned forced them to go on the road for their postseason opener each year, and unfortunately for the warm weather team, both road games took them into frigid Philadelphia to play the Eagles. The two losses also continued an unusual losing streak for Tampa Bay. They remained winless all time in games played when the temperature was less than 32 degrees Fahrenheit. 2002, the year the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. Dungy was fired by the Buccaneers following a disappointing loss to the Philadelphia Eagles 31-9 in the wildcard round of 2001 and soon thereafter hired as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. While the Buccaneers mounted a prolonged and much melodized search for his replacement. Several potential candidates were offered the job, including University of Florida head coach and former Buccaneers quarterback Steve Spurrier, former New York Giants head coach Bill Parcells, and Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Marvin Lewis. Spurrier jumped to the Redskins when he was offered the most lucrative salary package ever offered to an NFL head coach, and Parcells eventually passed on the Buccaneers' offer, the second time he had done so in the history of the Bucs franchise. 
Bucks general manager Rich McKay threw his support behind Lewis. The Glazer brothers were so displeased with the selection of yet another defensive-minded coach that they overruled McKay and took control of the candidate search themselves. They made it clear that their top choice was John Gruden. However, he was still under contract with the Oakland Raiders. While talks with the Raiders were secretly underway, the Glaziers publicly pursued another respective offensive mind, San Francisco 49ers head coach Steve Mariucci. Just when initial reports indicated that Mariucci had agreed to become both the Bucks head coach and their general manager, Raiders owner Al Davis, agreed to release Gruden to Tampa Bay. The Glazers' shrewd move eventually paid off in acquiring Gruden, but it sure was costly. The team hired Gruden away from the Raiders on February 20th, 2002, but the price was four draft picks, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' first and second round picks in 2002, their first round pick in 2003, and their second round selection in 2004, along with $8 million in cash. The league, as a result, prohibited any further trading of draft picks for coaches. Gruden was frustrated by the limitation of his coaching authority by Davis and was more than pleased to return to Tampa Bay. His parents lived in Carrollwood, and he had spent part of his childhood in Tampa in the early 1980s when his father was a running back coach and later a scout for the Bucks. Upon his arrival in Tampa, John Gruden immediately went to work retooling a sluggish offense changing over 50% of the starting offense. With a new tailback, wide receiver, two tight ends, left, left tackle, and left guard, Gruden put his stamp on the team's offense to remove the term Dungy's team label. The league's sweeping realignment sent the Buccaneers to the new NFC South Division along with the Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, and New Orleans Saints. Led by the league's top defense, the 2002 campaign was the Buccaneers' most successful season to date. Linebacker Derek Brooks was named the NFL Defensive Player of the Year with a tendency to make big plays. They won the NFC South title, with the team's best-ever record, 12-4, and four, and scored more points in two playoff wins over the 49ers and Eagles than in Bucks playoff history combined. The Philadelphia Eagles were a throne in Tampa Bay side, having eliminated the Bucks each of the last two seasons' wildcard games and were heavy underdogs to the Eagles again. But... The Buccaneers persevered after falling behind early and won in dramatic fashion with a last-second interception return for a touchdown. The Bucs then went on to root Gruden's former team, the Raiders, who had the league's number one offense 
by a score of 41-20 or 48-21 in Super Bowl 37, nicknamed the Pirate Bowl. Super Bowl 37 was great. The Bucks defeated the Raiders 48-21. All right, so let's chat about my favorite Super Bowl. That's obviously the Super Bowl that the Buccaneers won. Super Bowl 37 was an American football game between the AFC champion Oakland Raiders and the NFC champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers to decide the National Football League champion for the 2002 season. The Buccaneers defeated the Raiders by the score of 48-21, winning their first ever Super Bowl. The game played on January 26, 2003 at... Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego, California, and it was the fifth Super Bowl to be held the week after the conference championship games. It was also the last Super Bowl to have been played in the month of January. It was the first time and the last time until 2014 in Super Bowl history that the league's number one raked offense, which was the Raiders, was pitted against the league's number one raked defense, the Buccaneers. However, the game is sometimes referred to as the Gruden Bowl because the primary storyline surrounding the game revolved around John Gruden. Super Bowl 37 is also referred to as the Pirate Bowl due to both teams' pirate scene mascots. Gruden was the Raiders head coach from 1998 to 2001 and then became the Buccaneers coach in 2002. Tampa Bay, Gruden's new team, entered their first Super Bowl in team history after posting a 12-4 regular season record. Oakland, Gruden's old team advanced to their fifth Super Bowl after posting an 11-5 regular season record. This was also the first Super Bowl to feature two former division rivals as the Buccaneers and Raiders both played in the AFC West in 1976. The Raiders came into the game as four-point favorites. However, aided with Gruden's prior knowledge of his old team, the Tampa Bay defense dominated the contest. Oakland Raiders quarterback Rich Gannon threw a Super Bowl record five interceptions, and three of them were returned for touchdowns. The Buccaneers also sacked Gannon five times and scored 34 consecutive points to build a 34-3 lead late in the third quarter. Tampa Bay safety Dexter Jackson, who had two of those interceptions and returned them for 34 yards, was named Super Bowl MVP. Jackson became only the second safety and third defensive back to ever be named Super Bowl MVP. The Buccaneers defeated the San Francisco 49ers 31-6 and the Philadelphia Eagles 27-10 in the playoffs to make the Super Bowl for the first time in franchise history. Meanwhile, the Raiders were victorious against New York Jets 30-10 and the Tennessee Titans 41-24. The Raiders won against the Titans through Gannon's pass-oriented offense. 
Woo! Congratulations to the Buccaneers for winning their first Super Bowl in 2002. And hopefully, we'll have a Super Bowl win within the next couple of years. I can't wait to see the Bucs win their next Super Bowl. All right, what a great way to start the show, packed with some awesome information. I think it's time for a quick intermission. You're going to hear some awesome Christmas music during this break. Don't go anywhere. we got some awesome more Buccaneers chat coming your way. Don't forget, Buccaneers fans, you can call in at 1-347-989-8142 to discuss your favorite Buccaneers memory or to talk about your favorite Buccaneer players or why you like the Buccaneers. So we got more Buccaneers chat coming up next right after this. This is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers special live here on American Variety Network. Tonight, Buccaneers fan Alex Cardinale discusses the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and more. So Buccaneer fans, come call in and discuss why you love the Tampa Bay Bucs. Discuss your favorite Bucks game and Bucks players by dialing 1-347-989-8142. Let's go Buccaneers! The Tampa Bay Buccaneers special is now live. Coming up next, next. History of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 2003 until today. Don't go anywhere, Buccaneers fans. We will find out about our recent Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Calling out all you Buccaneer fans. Call in live at one three four seven. 989-8142. The special Tampa Bay Buccaneers edition of American Variety Network continues right after our Christmas music intermission. Brought to you by Ryan Serini at ryanserini.com and KLC. Intermission is being brought to you by rapper Ryan Serini. Check out his website at www.ryanserini.com and listen to his wonderful rap songs on iTunes. Let's keep it serene right here on American Variety Network.
Would you like to find out when the next episode of the American Variety Network is? Do you want to find out the news and updates for the American Variety Network? Well, all you have to do is go on your computer and log on to the social media sites. The American Variety Network is now on Facebook and Twitter. That's right, you can find the American Variety Network on Facebook and Twitter. Like our fan page on Facebook called American Variety Network. And follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter fan page is at American Network One. Again, our fan page on Facebook is American Variety Network. Hit like. And our fan page on Twitter is at American Network One. And hit follow. Are you enjoying tonight's episode of the American Variety Network? Great! The American Variety Network really appreciates your listening. We also appreciate listener feedback. Please feel free to email us your thoughts and opinions on tonight's show. Our email address is AmericanVarietyNetwork at Comcast.net. That's American Variety Network at Comcast.net. You may also email us with any questions, comments, or concerns you may have about our show. You can also email us to book a guest appearance on the American Variety Network, or you may contact us to become a sponsor of the American Variety Network. American Variety Network at Comcast.net. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays from Alex Cardinale and all of us at the American Variety Network. Make sure you buy your loved ones so awesome gifts. Enjoy the 2015 Christmas and Holiday season. American Variety Network is your one stop for awesome Christmas shows during the holiday season. Expect a Christmas movie show, a Christmas giveaway, a Christmas music throwdown, and even Christmas cooking and baking shows. Nobody does Christmas like the American Variety Network. Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, listeners.
How would you like to win a $10 gift card to Burger King? How about a $10 gift card to Walmart? How would winning some delicious white chocolate covered Oreos sound? For all of the salt water reefers out there, would you like to win Caribsea's new product called Coral Up? Well, I got news for you. Live on Tuesday, December 15, 2015 at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Mountain, and 6 p.m. Pacific Alex Cardinale brings to you the very first annual Christmas 2015 giveaway. One lucky caller will win the $10 gift card to Burger King, one lucky caller will win a gift card to Walmart, two lucky callers will win white chocolate covered Oreos, and one lucky salt water reefer will win Carib Sea Coral Up. Five prizes and the chance for five winners. How do you win a prize? Well, you have to call in live on the 2015 Christmas giveaway and discuss what prize you want and why and then state your favorite Christmas cookie. And bang, you will win your prize. First five callers win so don't delay, tune in live right on Tuesday December 15, 2015 at 9 p.m. Eastern at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash American Network. Merry Christmas and Alex Cardinali sponsors this message he loves you the listeners. You're listening to the American Variety Network. Your only place for variety on Blog Talk Radio. This is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers special live here on American Variety Network. Tonight, Buccaneers fan Alex Cardinale discusses the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and more. So Buccaneer fans, come call in and discuss why you love the Tampa Bay Buck. Discuss your favorite Bucks game and Bucks players by dialing 1-347-989-8142. Let's go Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers special is now live. I talked about why I'm a Buccaneers fan, and I talked about my favorite Buccaneers players, and then I talked about the history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 1976 all the way until the Buccaneers Super Bowl victory. And now we are getting ready to talk about the Buccaneers 2003 season until recent or until present. But before I do that, I'd like to remind all of my Buccaneer listeners out there, you can call in at 1-347-989-8142 to discuss why you like the Buccaneers or discuss your favorite Buccaneer players or your favorite Buccaneer moments or to talk about anything Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I didn't mention this earlier in the show, but one of my personal favorite Tampa Bay Buccaneer moments is when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. Because I was actually watching that live on TV, and I was very happy to see the Bucs win. I also recently uh, have a good memory of seeing the Buccaneers hammer the Eagles. So those are some of my personal favorite memories of the Tampa Bay Bucks. All right. So, let's get back into the history. And now, we're going to start with 2003 to 2008. 
and this is periods of peaks and valleys. Soon after the Super Bowl 37 victory for the Tampa Press reports indicated Gruden's lack of patience with General Manager McKay, a major architect of the Buccaneers' rebuilding effort over the previous 10 years. McKay, like Gruden, had long-established ties to the Tampa Bay area. However, during the 2003 season, the John Gruden-McKay relationship deteriorated as the Buccaneers struggled on the field. In November, Keyshawn Jackson was deactivated by the team 10 games into the season for his conduct, which included sideline arguments with Buccaneer coaches and players. Johnson was eventually traded to the Dallas Cowboys for wide receiver Joey Galloway, who later in his career played for the New England Patriots, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Washington Redskins. In December, the Glazers allowed McKay to leave the Buccaneers before the end of the regular season, and he promptly joined the Atlanta Falcons as president and general manager. Thus, McKay watched his first game as a Falcons executive sitting next to owner Arthur Blank in a Raymond James Stadium skybox. The Falcons defeated the Bucks 30-28. to The Buccaneers suffered a sluggish start and finished the 2003 season 7-9. With the Raiders' dismal 4-12 performance, neither Super Bowl team reached the playoffs that year. For 2004, Bruce Allen was hired as general manager. After Allen's arrival, both John Lynch and Warren Sapp were released, stunning many Buccaneer fans. The distracted Buccaneers began the 2004 season with a 1-5 record, their worst start under John Gruden. The fading accuracy of kicker Martin Gramatica did not help matters as the team lost many close games en route to a 5-11 record. All right, so I see we have a caller here on our Tampa Bay Buccaneers special. So I'm going to bring him on the show. Hi, you're now live on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers special, and thank you very much for calling in. Hey, Alex. This is uh, My name is Ivan. I'm actually calling from Tampa, Florida. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Ivan? It's nice to hear you're in Florida. Tampa, Florida is a nice area. Indeed, indeed. Thank you very much. I'm a, I follow actually your page on uh, on Facebook, and I uh, it's the first time listener. So hopefully, I will be listening to more of your podcast. Great job on the podcast uh, podcast and the information that you're providing. So really informational. Uh, I really like it. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. I appreciate you calling in and listening to this great show. I hope you enjoy all my shows. I appreciate that. Sure do. Sure do indeed. So. You know, I just wanted to call in and actually share, you know, why I'm a Buccaneer fan. And, uh, you know, I, I'm currently a season ticket holder. I actually go to every game. And, uh, you know, I've been following them pretty much actually about the same time you started, back in 1999 or so, when Sean King was the, the quarterback. And uh wanted to share actually some of the uh, the experiences and some of the things that I have gone through as a Buccaneer fan. That sounds great. I'd love to hear it. 
Well, so, you know, I, I, you know, just like you said, I mean, I started back in 1999. I used to live in Buffalo, New York at the time and, uh, you know, became a fan, you know, really because my, my father actually lived in the, in the Tampa area for quite a bit. And, uh, you know, being living in the north, actually, you know, just like you mentioned at the beginning of your podcast, I, I, I fell in love with the logo. I think, actually, the Buccaneers do have the best logo in the NFL. And uh, started listening and, you know, got into into their games. And, uh, you know, just like you do, I mean, I, I, I'm a fan of the underdogs. I like to, to see teams that are, uh, you know, underperforming do well against other well-established, you know, franchises. And, uh, you know, started – growing and, and, and learning to love actually the, the team and, and, you know, the, the sport of football actually. And, uh, and, you know, became a fan, uh, you know, like I said, when Sean King was the, the quarterback later on, actually, when they won the Super Bowl, and, you know, throughout the years, I've always been wanting to, uh, to move into the Tampa area. I, you know, was serving in the military at the time and moving quite a bit, but finally this year, I was able to to move to the Tampa area. Like I said, I'm currently living down here. I also have a uh, I've been a season ticket holder for two years now, and I'm attending every game with my family, with my wife, uh, my son, and uh, we enjoy every moment of it. Oh, that's awesome! Congratulations! Sounds like a lot of fun. You get to see the games live in person. That's awesome. Yeah, indeed, absolutely. It's uh, it's a great experience. You you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. You know, Raymond James is a great facility. Uh, we have a really good relationship with the uh, with the staff, and uh, they take really good care of the people attending the the, the games. And uh, it's it's been fun so far this season, winning you know seeing the Buccaneers actually win at this point triple the amount of games that we won last season. So that's really good. Yeah, we're doing better than we make playoffs this year. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate your call. You did a great job. Thank you so much for calling in tonight. A pleasure. Thank you very much, actually, for listening, uh, you know, for taking my call, and uh, I hope you best success with your podcast. And, uh, and again, I'll be listening and liking your page on Facebook. Thank, thank you very much, Alex. You're welcome. Merry Christmas. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that's awesome. What a wonderful call. I really appreciated that call. So thank you very much for calling in. That was a phenomenal call. It made my night awesome. I love getting good calls like that. So I encourage people to uh, call in at one three four seven nine eight nine eighty one forty two. 989 I really, really love that call. So thank you very much. It made my night. Let's get back into our history now, and now we're going to talk about the 2005 season. Now, in the 2005 season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers celebrated their 30th season in the league, and they returned to their winning ways. The Buccaneers selected Carnell Cadillac Williams in the first round of the 2005 draft, and the rookie would provide a running game the Buccaneers had not possessed since the, game, the days of James Wilder in the 1980s. Williams would later go on to receive the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year award. After starting 5-1, and one, the team entered a mid-season slump, hampered by a season-ending injury to starting quarterback Brian Grisey. 
Replacement starter Chris Sims struggled early but came into his own, leading the team to a last-minute win over the Redskins. The Bucks won the NFC South Division, finishing 11-5. The season ended abruptly, however, with a 17-10 loss in the wild-card round and a rematch with the Redskins. After winning the division in 2005, the Buccaneers suffered through an abysmal 2006 season. The season was plagued by injuries, with starters such as guard Dan Booning, wide receiver Michael Clayton, running back Cadillac Williams, defensive head Simeon Rice, cornerback Brian Kelly, and quarterback Chris Sims all being placed on injured reserve at some point in the season. The season also saw a lot of rookies starting for the Buccaneers, such as quarterback Bruce Bradkowski, tackle Jeremy Trueblood, and guard Davin Joseph. The Bucks started off the season 0-3, with Sims starring only one touchdown to seven interceptions. In the third game of the season, a last-minute loss to the Panthers, his spleen was ruptured out, and he was placed on injury reserve for the balance of the season. After the bye week, the Bucks elected to start Grautkowski, a six-round pick from Toledo. After narrowly beating the Saints, Grautkowski led the team to last wins over the Bengals and the Eagles. The success was short-lived, however, and the Bucks last five of the next six games. Tim Raddy replaced Grakowski as a quarterback late in the season, and the team finished 4-12. and The A's defense, with five starters who had played there for a decade or more, was ranked 17th overall, the first time a Tampa defense was not ranked in the top 10 since 1996. After the disappointing 4-12 effort of 2006, the Buccaneers, for the first time in several seasons, had money to spend in free agency. They brought in quarterback Jeff Garcia, offensive tackle Luke Pedagot, defensive end Kevin Carter, and linebacker Cato June. On April 28, 2007, the Buccaneers drafted Clemson defensive end Gaines Adams, with the fourth overall pick in the NFL draft. After the draft, the Buccaneers picked up tight end Jeremy Stevens and defensive tackle Ryan Sims. The offseason changes resulted in the Buccaneers winning the NFC South title in the 2007 season, finishing with a 9-7 record and the fourth seed in the conference. The division crown was the second one in three seasons under John Gruden. In the wild card round of the playoffs held on January 6, 2008, the Buccaneers lost to the eventual Super Bowl champion New York Giants by a final score of 24 to 14. During the 2008 offseason, the Buccaneers were signed head coach John Gruden and general manager Allen through the 2011 season. They also acquired former players Warwick Dunn, who had spent the last six seasons with the Atlanta Falcons, and Brian Greasy, who was the starting quarterback for the team in 2005 until a, new, uh, until a knee injury sidelined him for the remainder of the year. 
Chris Sims was finally relieved, having not played a game since his injury in 2006. The Bucs got off to a great start in 2008 with a 9-3 record going into the final months of the season, tied for first place in the division, with a chance at the top seed in the conference. On December 2nd, it was announced that defensive coordinator Monty Kiffin would be leaving the team after the season's end for the same job at the University of Tennessee, serving under his son Lane Kiffin, who has been named the new head coach at the school. After the announcement, the Buccaneers would lose their final four games of the season to finish 9-7 and for the second consecutive season. Unlike 2007, it was not enough to secure the division championship nor a playoff appearance. And now we're getting into the terrible, uh, terrible history of the Bucks for me at least. 2009 to 2011, the Raheem Morris era. Raheem Morris was named the replacement for Mont Keefen as uh, defensive coordinator in December 2008. I don't know why I just butchered his name. I've been saying his name all the show, but I did that now. <laughs> Anyways, a month later, after the huge collapse that ended the 2008 season, the Buccaneers fired John Gruden and swiftly elevated Morris to the head coach position. Bruce Allen was also let go, with Mark Dominic, his successor, as general manager. Several veterans were released, including Derek Brooks, Joey Galloway, and Jeff Garcia. The new staff traded for tight end Kellen Wislow Jr., signed quarterback Brian Leftwich, and drafted Josh Freeman with the 17th overall pick. The 2009 squad started out 0-7 beyond uh, Leftwich and later Josh Johnson. Following their bye week, the team elevated Freeman to starting quarterback, resulting in the team's first win of the season. The team finished 3-13, the worst record since 1991. In 2010, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers surprised many, producing the greatest single-season turnaround in franchise history, going 10-6. and six. This was largely behind the stellar performances of Freeman, rookie receiver Mike Williams, and LeGarrette Blunt. Despite the effort, the team narrowly missed the playoffs, losing out on the wild-card tiebreaker to eventual Super Bowl champions Green Bay Packers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers began the 2011 season with high hopes, adding several key defensive players through the draft. After a 4-2 start, however, the Buccaneers collapsed, dropping 10 consecutive games to finish 4-12. One day after a 45-24 loss to Atlanta in their final game of the season, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fired Morris, and they also fired offensive coordinator Greg Olson and the rest of his corresponding staff. During the Morris era, the lack of on-the-field success, along with several contributing factors, including the recession, saw attendance slip, precipitating local television blackouts for the first time since the mid-1990s. All eight games were all eight regular season home games were blacked out in 2010 
all five of seven were blacked out in 2011. One home game was played in London that year. 2012 and 2013, the Greg Schiano era. About three weeks after firing Raheem Morris, the Buccaneers hired Greg Schiano from Rutgers as a new head coach. I think Greg Schiano, in my personal opinion, was the worst manager and worst coach the Bucks had. During his inductory conference, he stated there will be Buccaneer men and there will be a Buccaneer way. The phrase, the Buccaneer way, became a slogan amongst fans and local media describing the new regime and attitude. The team filled out the coaching staff with new faces, including Mike Sullivan, Bill Sherdan, and Bush Davis. In 2013, Dave Winstead was also added as special teams coach. In the first day of free agency, the club signed top prospects Vincent Jackson, Carol Nix, and as well as Eric Wright. The $140 million committed to the team during that 24-hour period is considered the largest investment the Glazer family has put into the team going almost back a decade. The team would finish the 2012 season at 7-9, notably ranking first in rushing defense. Furthermore, the rushing offense was highlighted by the breakout performance of Doug Martin. After two seasons of game day local television blackouts, the improved team began seeing increased attendance and attention, and some blackouts lifted. Six games were blacked out in 2012. For the three-year period of 2010 to 2012, the Bucks led the NFL in local television blackouts with 19. Cincinnati was second with 11. Chiano's strict and regi- regimed coaching style, however, drew criticism at the end of the game against the Giants, ordering his defense to continue to aggressively tackle the offense as the quarterback was taking a knee to end the game. Coming into the 2013 season, fans and analysts had better than average expectations for the Tampa Bay Bucks. They were expected to improve their record and potentially make a postseason playoff run. The predictions proved unfounded as numerous issues on and off the field saw the team collapse. During training camp, a reported rift began to divide Chiano and quarterback Josh Freeman. After an 0-3 start, Freeman was benched and ultimately released. Wow, I remember like that was yesterday for some reason. Chiano started rookie Mike Lennon, but the team continued to lose. The fans' confidence in Chiano began to decay rapidly, and after an 0-8, an 0-8 start, the team finally got its first win of the season on Monday night against Miami. A brief win saw improvement with Glennon at quarterback, and Bob Rainey took over at running back with stellar numbers after Doug Martin went out with an injury. There were no blackouts in 2013 as the Glazers bought up the necessary tickets for two of the games to get to the 85% threshold needed to prevent local blackouts. Despite some individual improvements and some impressive performances by members of the defense, 
the team dropped the last three games of the season and finished 4-12. and The team ranked last or near the bottom in almost every offensive category. On December 30th, 2013, Greg Schiano and general manager Mark Dominic were fired. 2014 and present, the Lovey Smith and Jason Litch era. On January 1st, 2014, Lovey Smith was hired as the new head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, replacing Greg Schiano. I was really excited when the Bucks hired Lovey Smith. Smith had previously spent five seasons with the Buccaneers from 1996 to 2001, coaching the linebackers under Tony Dungy. During his first news conference with the Bucks, Smith talked about restoring the quality of the team from the late 1990s and early 2000s. There was a certain brand of football you expected from us, Smith said. You know we would be relentless. There was a brand of football that you got from us each week at Raymond James Stadium. It was hard for opponents to come in and win. We have gotten away from that a little bit, and it's time for us to become a relevant team again. On January 21st, 2014, Jason Lich was hired as the new general manager replacing Mark Dominic. He was officially introduced at One Buck Place on January 23rd, 2014. In his first news conference, Lich talked about his philosophy. Our philosophy is going to be to build through the draft. That's where we find our stars. That's where we find the next generation. But also in the short term and long term, we're going to supplement our roster through free agency. But we're going to look for value. We're going to spend wisely. After signing veteran free agent Josh McCown and many more free agents, many analysts predicted that the Buccaneers could be the surprise team of the year and possibly make a playoff run. However, those predictions soon went away after the Buccaneers began the season 0-3, including a 56-14 blowout against the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday night football. McCown was injured in that game, and second-year quarterback Mike Glennon was named the starter. His first start of the 2014 season ended with the Buccaneers earning their first victory of the season in Pittsburgh against the Steelers, 27-24. The Bucks lost the next four games, two overtime losses against the New Orleans Saints and the Minnesota Vikings, one blowout against the Baltimore Ravens, and a five-point loss against the Cleveland Browns. Going into Week 10 at 1-8, McCown returned as a starter. Mathematically, the Bucks were still in playoff contention, only being three games out of first place in the division. McCown's first game back ended with a 27-17 loss to the Falcons, but won the following week in a 27-7 blowout against the struggling Washington Redskins. The Bucks would lose the next three games and were officially knocked out of playoff contention in Week 14. The Bucks would finish 2-14, winning two less games than the previous season and secured the number one draft pick for the 2015 NFL Draft. Despite the team's record, first-round draft pick wide receiver Mike Evans 
had more than a thousand rushing yards, and he became the youngest NFL player to record more than 200 rushing yards, receiving yards, in a single game. So he was the first young NFL player to get more than 200 receiving yards. Vincent Jackson also had more than a thousand yards receiving which represented Tampa Bay's first pair of 1,000-yard receivers in the season. Second-year CB, Jonathan Banks led the team with four interceptions and had 50 tackles. Danny Lanza flourished in the Tampa 2 system with 81 tackles, 1.5 quarterback sacks, and three interceptions, with two of those interceptions returned, for touchdowns for the 2014 season. In December 2014, a report surfaced that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers used homeless people to sell beer and did not pay them. I don't know how true that report is, so I'm not going to say much more about that. After the conclusion of the 2014 season, Tampa Bay hired Ben Steele, to become the team's new offensive quality control coach, as well as former Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator Dirk Cudier to be their new offensive coordinator after parting ways with quarterback coach and an interim offensive coordinator Marcus Arroyo. Having a 2-14 record tied for the worst record in the NFL in 2014, Tampa gained the first overall pick in the 2015 NFL Draft. They also made some headlines when they released quarterback Josh McCown on February 11, 2015 to save $5.25 million in cap space. With the first overall pick in the NFL draft, the Buccaneers selected Jamie S. Winston from Florida State. Throughout the offseason, there was much debate whether the Buccaneers should pick Jamie S. or Oregon quarterback Marcus Mariota. And I wanted them to pick Mariota, but I'm glad the Buccaneers picked Jameis Winston. He is a great choice for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, this was a great show. The Buccaneers are doing good this season. We've got a lot of... uh, Great wins. My favorite win from this season is the Buccaneers defeating the Eagles. We killed the Eagles, and hopefully the Buccaneers will make the postseason this year. I definitely pray that the Bucks make the postseason. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to thank all of you guys for tuning into the show. We've reached the end of another great podcast. I'd like to say thank you to Ivan for coming into the show. I really appreciated that call. was an awesome call. I'd like to say thank you to everyone in the Tampa Bay, Florida area for listening to this show. Thank you to all my Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans for listening to this show. I hope you'll become a fan of the American Variety Network. You can find the American Variety Network right here on Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com forward slash American Network. Please hit the follow button here on Blog Talk Radio so that you'll get a reminder for the next time that we are on air. 
Please follow me on American Variety Network on Facebook. I've got my own fan page called American Variety Network. Add me as a friend on Facebook, Alice Cardinelli. So, special thank you to everyone who listened live to today's show. Special thank you to everyone who listened live to the archive. I appreciate all your listens. Thank you guys for tuning in. I love you guys, my listeners. Don't forget, next Tuesday, we got our Christmas giveaway. Merry Christmas, Buccaneer fans, and thank you so much for tuning in. Let's go, Buccaneers. Let's beat those New Orleans Saints this Sunday. Woo! Good night, everyone, and let's go, Bucs. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the Buccaneers game this Sunday, and I'm rooting for the Buccaneers. Let's go, Buccaneers. Good night, everyone. I'm here, let's do this right. Do this right, do, do this right. I said, since I'm here, let's do this right. One, two, three, and Guess who's back and ain't slept in weeks? Ten shot deep, picking you did I be, but never mind me. I'ma buy another trench, had a rough week at work, dog. I don't wanna stick, just wanna party. Till I pass out, yeah Max out my bank account Money ain't real, so let's blow it Drinks on me, let everybody know it See that bottle there? Bring it here You and me shot for shot, ever clear What you can't hang, do the damn thing I ain't nothing to fuck with, Wu-Tang Goose hit the spot, eyes dilated My album just dropped, girls infatuated They're coming out their pants now, saturated Now you know what I'm celebrating Since I'm here, let's do this right Bottles on ice, got bottles on ice Don't care about tomorrow, yo, we living for tonight Bottles on ice, got bottles on ice We gon' party all day, party all night Bottles on ice, got bottles on ice Don't care about tomorrow, yo, we living for tonight Nice. Bottles on ice, got bottles on ice Let me get a shot of adrenaline Red Bull, bottle of Exeteran Handful of Vicodin and some Adderall Shit tonight, I don't wanna feel it all I came to forget, so let's hit the strip Tonight I leave my mark, make fingerprints Superstar shit, women are endless I'm signing autographs and getting mad because of it Baby, we're big time, you hit the jackpot Hop on the bandwagon, this party don't stop Forget you owe me, your best is yet to come They can't get enough, showing us mad love Bloodshot eyes, sleep when I die Nothing's off limits, might even do a line Bottles all night, need to be reminded Tonight you're rocking with the bunny since I'm here, let's do this right. Bottles on ice, got bottles on ice. I don't care about tomorrow, yo, we living for tonight. Bottles on ice, got bottles on ice. We gon' party all day, party all night. Bottles on ice, got bottles on ice. I don't care about tomorrow, yo, we living for tonight. Bottles on ice, got bottles on ice. Tonight, me and right, I want it all. I don't wanna sleep, I just wanna fall. I don't wanna care, I just wanna feel. Let everybody know the party's here. Tonight, damn right, I want it all. I don't want to sleep, I just want to fall. I don't want to care, I just want to feel. Let everybody know the party's here. Since I'm here, let's do this right. Bottles on night, got bottles on ice. I don't care about tomorrow, yo, we living for tonight. Bottles on night, got bottles on ice. We gon' party all day, party all night. Bottles on night, got bottles on ice. I don't care about tomorrow, yo, we living for tonight. Bottles on night, got bottles on ice. Since I'm here, let's do this right. Don't care about tomorrow, yo, we living for tonight. We gon' party all day, party all night. 
Don't care about tomorrow, got bottles on ice. How would you like to win a $10 gift card to Burger King? How about a $10 gift card to Walmart? How would winning some delicious white chocolate covered Oreos sound? For all of the salt water reefers out there, would you like to win Caribsea's new product called Coral Up? Well, I got news for you. Live on Tuesday, December 15, 2015 at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Mountain, and 6 p.m. Pacific Alex Cardinale brings to you the very first annual Christmas 2015 giveaway. One lucky caller will win the $10 gift card to Burger King, one lucky caller will win a gift card to Walmart, two lucky callers will win white chocolate covered Oreos, and one lucky salt water reefer will win Carib Sea Coral Up. Five prizes and the chance for five winners. How do you win a prize? Well, you have to call in live on the 2015 Christmas giveaway and discuss what prize you want and why and then state your favorite Christmas cookie. And bang, you will win your prize. First five callers win so don't delay, tune in live right on Tuesday December 15, 2015 at 9 p.m. Eastern at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash American Network. Merry Christmas and Alex Cardinali sponsors this message he loves you the listeners. That's all folks.